This is Walk It Off with Drew. And Dave. Outside the studio, giving you guys a special episode. Just us. For Halloween. This is it's kind of, so spooky. I know. It's super spooky. I'll tell you what's the spookiest about it is that I don't get to look at your lovely face while we're doing this. Like, I've got this this angle here. And and, I'll, and last night I got a great view of the guns, too, man, in your uh, in your lovely tank top. And now, now I don't. So it's a little spooky to me, but I'm most excited about what we're going to talk about today. All right. Now you're just making it weird. Uh, that's what I do. Welcome to Halloween. Just making it weird on Halloween. Real spooky. Usually we're in the WXNA studios recording the show every week, Sunday nights, walk it off, talking about sports, what's going on currently. We're not doing that right now. We're in the special studios recording a special episode with no permission. This isn't for radio. This is just for you dedicated listeners out there. Cue that uh, Undertaker song again. I want, I want some organs behind that. We don't have the resources we do in the actual <laughs> radio station right here. All of our assistants and lighting patterns and cute intro music, it's just not here right now. No, I, I clearly, I just need to learn how to play the organ now. Like, that's the only solution to this. That's what's coming out of Halloween. Right here with Halloween Walk It Off. We're here to talk about really spooky sports stuff, because, you know, that's the whole point. As scary as sports gets, and it was it was funny yesterday... I mean, it was just yesterday. Nobody knows what day it is right now, Drew, when we're talking. But just yesterday, we were doing our show on Sunday night. And we were trying to figure out what can we do that's spooky about sports. And I was so, so, so happy that you thought of the Undertaker song. Because, like, it's hard to find Halloween alignment with sports. That was a a gem. That was a diamond in the rough. That was well done. And here, now we're going to dig into the spooky, spooky superstitions and curses and conspiracies of the sports Ooh. world. Can we keep doing that? We don't uh, have the sound budget either. That the came effects from, aren't here. That came from outside. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. That freaked me out. Look, it's sports, but there are so many weird little things that make the games fun. Part of that is just the games. They're entertaining. We love the competition. We love the rivalries. We love the teamwork, the camaraderie. But there's so much going on inside the game, and that's what really makes it special. When you get deep into it, when you listen to shows like ours, because you're a real true fan, you want more of that added info, every little thing matters. And everybody's got their own superstitions when it comes to playing, comes to doing better, comes to even watching TV. I mean, if you watch a game, I'm sure you watch it in a certain seat or wearing it. I know my teams do better if I'm wearing a jersey to watch that game. It's fact. Now... As an Arizona fan, I know that isn't actually true. Fact. <laughs> but but I got to say, uh, I, I have more superstitions when it comes to sitting there and watching my teams than I did when I played. And now maybe a big part of that is because when I played, I didn't really play that much. <laughs> That's a superstition of its own. <laughs> yeah, or a I conspiracy. I had my own little, and we'll get to the Madden curse, but I had my own little Madden curse where... I peaked in like eighth grade basketball where I got most improved player. Uh, and my coach said, hey, Dave, team, David is our weakest link. And if he's our weakest link and he improved that much, look at how great we are. That was a confidence booster. But my whole basketball career went downhill after that. So I was I was mad and cursed by the MIP. That MIP trophy did it. Also, yeah, really inspirational speech there, coach. Yeah, he was, he was literally the worst coach ever. <laughs> literally the worst. I think everyone's got their stories of those, too. We could make a good Halloween episode on that. The scariest youth athletics coaches. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we should really dig into that one. Although, I, yeah, that could get that could get a little wild. That one might be up there with our other idea, though, of just watching the most gruesome sports injuries on loop over and over again and describing them to you. Well, as per usual, we'll always listen to the lovely folks that are listening. So if you want to tell us what you want to hear about on the next spooky episode or just have the conspiracies or curses, or superstitions of your own. How about we use the hashtag Spooky Sports? How about that? You like that? Spooky Sports. Hashtag Spooky Sports at uh, Walk It Off Radio, and we'll pick it up and we'll talk about it at some point. All right, give us your ideas. Those were mine. Creepiest youth sports coaches. (laughs) Watching videos of gruesome, gory sports injuries and describing them in our radio terms, gosh, as that, professionals, does that mean we have to do it in slow motion? Because 
I don't think I could stomach that, Drew. I really don't think I could. Yeah, these really aren't the best ideas, so you should probably send us some other ones. Please help. But right now, we've got superstitions. That's always been really fun to me. I'm not going to lie to you. You guys know if you're listening, my main I would play every sport I could possibly get my hands on growing up. Still, to this day, if you challenge me to pretty much anything, I'm willing to play a sport. If it involves throwing things at things, all the better. But if it was a sport, we'd play it. But my main number one go-to has always been baseball. No way. That's the thing. I love it. Injuries, gruesome or not, derail everything. But you had a lot of time in there playing these games. And you get to develop your own little superstitions. Even if you don't think they are. There's always something you can do. And even nowadays, coaching or giving lessons or something like that, I like to encourage that. If you talk to some coaches, they'll say, you know, you got to do it our way. You got to go by the book. That's the worst kind of coaching. Someone who's watched a video on how to coach and that, just goes straight by that. That's a great point. I mean, not all this can be done by te- via textbook. And, and it allows for a couple of things. I mean, one, we know that sports is all about repetition. It's, it, it is not a cliche that practice really does make perfect, no matter what Allen Iverson says and how gifted some athletes are. You can't get to that level without doing these things over and over and over again. That's kind of like what we talked about about the World Series, too. You train yourself to mentally be prepared to do that by just practicing over and over and over again. So having these superstitions, and a lot of times, I don't mean to take away the spooky sheen from our conversation, a lot of times it's traditions, too, or a lot of times it's habits, that Muscle are required is just science. Exactly. Just getting you to the point to where you're comfortable doing that. But you're all you're right. It also adds a level of individualism. And you can't be a star, I don't think. And certainly you can't have as much fun in sports if you're just regurgitating what everybody else has done. It's fine being inspired. It's fine copying. Like it really that requires it, but you have to put your own spin on it. And to your point, the best coaches get that out of you. I like that point there, buddy. Sometimes superstition and and it could just be your style, too. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of blends together. As long as it's yours, you got to do it. I mean, everybody remembers watching baseball and everyone jumping over the foul line. A pitcher's not going to touch the foul line. Infielders are going to walk around. They're not going to step on the pitcher's mound when they go up there. Some of that's practicality. You don't want to scuff the dust for your pitcher. Yep. But another part of it is just superstition. You don't want to do that. You don't all have to be Turk Wendell leaping over the foul line to make sure you're nowhere near it. Yeah. Now, if we go into Turk Wendell, you don't have to be him wearing <laughs> yeah. the claws and teeth of vanquished foes that uh, he hunted. That's that's one of the best ones. But before we get into into the really crazy ones, let's all, one of my favorites that's just kind of standard is watching every uh, basketball player's free throw line uh, standard operating procedure. Uh, watching them practice with their with their with their wrist. Watching the number of times that you bounce the ball or. Uh, uh, Carl Malone had a really interesting one. I can't, I can't, I can't remember how to describe it, but uh, I really, really liked his. And I, I remember that's one, one of the few routines that I actually developed. I was still terrible at free throws uh, in basketball practice when they'd say, hey, somebody needs to hit a free throw to end practice. They'd put me at the line, and we'd still have to run like eight more suicides because I can't make a free throw. Oh, not suicides. No, I'm, yeah, <laughs> and my team hated me. But, but it's fun. Like that is actually one area where you know you just do the same thing, and it actually really affects your routine, and it's fun to watch. All right, we're gonna start with the most boring superstitions: bounce a basketball twice before your free throw. Yep. No more Garcia Para endlessly tightening and untightening his batting gloves before he would take a swing. Yep. There's all sorts of them. Some are a lot more fun. I mean, everyone knows spaceman Bill Lee back in the day, doing. Absolutely outlandish things on the mound before he went up there. We'll go back to Turk Wendell. He had to chew black licorice while he was pitching and then go in the dugout between innings and brush his teeth. You don't have to do that. That's a little much. No, but I recommend trying it. They're professional athletes. Why not? Give it a whirl. But the stuff I'm talking about is even when you're you're going up, you're just walking up to the plate. You can do something like that. You can tighten and untighten your batting gloves. One thing I've always had is I'll swing my bat around in one hand. Oh, yeah. Just do little circles over my head. Yeah. It's a little superstition just walking up to the plate. You do this thing every time. But it also serves a deeper purpose. Because you're doing that, and it makes you remember that I have complete control of this bat. I can make it do whatever I want to make it do. Yeah, it's an appendage of yours. You're making the connection there. That Yeah, I like that. If I can swing it around over my head without hitting myself, 
Yeah, how much harder is it to take an actual baseball swing? Yeah, great point. I do the same with golf, and I think you will find a trend here. I'm also terrible at golf, but I still <laughs> I still do that. Like I walk up when I'm walking up to the to the ball, I do a little flick with my putter. And I, I remember playing golf in high school. That's actually where the routines really made the biggest difference. I actually was made fun of for a long time in golf. There's a lot, there's a laundry list of those things uh, and other circumstances, but because I would start by kind of pointing the toe of the club out front and pointing it out back because I'd get that first half of my swing muscle memory before I'd even swing, just light out there, light back like a pendulum swing. And then I would go into it and it'd already be built in. Uh, it's, it was incredible. And plus it made me look really, really cool. Spooky sports superstitions. <laughs> spooky sports hashtag. <laughs> it's reversed hashtag spooky sports. There's always something that you just do that makes it more you, more personal, and gets that superstition involved in it. You're gonna play better if you have it. There's all sorts of things. Again, baseball lends itself to this so well because it's a game of slumps and streaks. And who knows what exactly that slump is. You, can picture it in your head maybe it's some little monster that's just holding your bat back and not letting you get a great swing on it unless you can shake that thing off somehow maybe you can do an exorcism maybe you can do a major league and sacrifice a chicken it might work hats for bats to keep bats warm we yeah <laughs> i like it like it, it it there's a lot of those and it's funny it's kind of weird where it crosses the line now into some of the really weird ones like I can see building those habits. And I think that's kind of what we're setting up here is the fact that these are things that are accessible, doing this over and over again. But at what point do you cross the line into, let's say, Mike Bibby land where you are clipping your toenail or your fingernails at, at halftime? You know, that that's taking it onto the extreme side a little bit. You do what you can to ride that streak or shake that slump. Jason Giambi. Famous example of it there. Yeah. Do whatever it takes to shake that slump. No matter how uncomfortable <laughs> it may be. Uh, so that's the that's the gold thong story. He was had to shake that slump somehow, so he started wearing a gold thong underneath his jersey, as the legend goes. And it worked. Broke out of a horrible slump. Got interviewed. Said it. And then other teammates started trying it out. Johnny Damon was legendary. When he was on the Yankees at the same time as Giambi. He tried the golden thong idea as well to break a slump and tried to rationalize it, which you don't need to do. If it's a superstition, man, just say it's a superstition. It's something crazy, something fun, something weird. Yeah. How did he rationalize it other than saying it was a superstition? Was it like a fashion choice or or his wife was, was, was looking for it or something like that? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to find the, the alternate rationalizations. If I remember right, the one he went with was something like, if you're wearing a gold thong, you're kind of focused on that. So you can't focus on your swing and overthink it too much. Ah, that's a great point. Yeah. Because yeah. you've got something else taking your attention off it. Yeah. And that's kind of the Bull Durham excuse there. Because yeah. you have that famous scene there where he's wearing a garter belt and a corset. Yeah. Well, not a corset. <laughs> he's wearing the garter to take his mind off everything that's going through it as you're pitching. You're thinking about that damn corset that's underneath your uniform. <laughs> yeah. Rose goes in front, fellas. <laughs> that, that's a great point. I mean, I, I one of the tough things with that one is that, you know, you don't really know. There's no proof of that. But that's what we're kind of doing is we're buying into these things that are at least superstitions. And who knows how many other other athletes were doing that. There's, there's actually a ton of underwear-related, uh, uh, cons- or not conspiracies, but traditions or superstitions Uh you know, just not washing or wearing like Jason Terry used to wear. And this is, this is a weird one. Like it's not that weird in its first iteration, but Jason Terry, when he was at Arizona, used to wear his Jersey the night before like he'd sleep in it and be ready the next day. Little, little grody, but not that crazy, right? That's not that bad. Fresh, That's clean nothing. Jersey. It's nothing. What was weird is as his career uh, progressed, he wound up changing that habit to sleep in his competitor's Jersey the night before which I, I don't it's know. Another it's another level. It, it is another level. Like, first off, you got to go out and get that. Not that Jason Terry doesn't have means to go <laughs> find that. I'm sure he can just call somebody and, and it shows up at his door. He's got a lot of NBA connections, I've heard. But but it's, I, I just wonder the mentality behind that. Is it, did he did he wind up like, uh, you know what? I'm going to stick it to them by uh, by sleeping in their jersey. <laughs> Take that. I, I don't know. It's like, it's almost a little, 
uh, a little aggressive. I don't know. It is a little aggressive. Or maybe that's just early analytics. He was getting that scouting report through osmosis or something. Oh, maybe that is it. Yeah, it's a Hollinger thing also. Yeah. <laughs> Real early analytics. That's that deep front office think from the jet right there. Yeah. Jason Terry knows his stuff. And, it, and frankly, it paid off. He was had a great, very successful career uh, overall. So maybe that's when you start doing. At work, wear your uniform the night before. Or better yet, wear your competitor's uniform. If you work at McDonald's, wear Burger King uniform. <laughs> go into work the next day and change. Or don't change. I don't Come know. in the next day, the rival Burger King caught fire. Yeah, I know. This could really pay off, I guess. If, that, if that's what you're aiming for. Now, the tough part is, like, I, I wonder if he ever accidentally walked into the clubhouse wearing, like, an Atlanta Hawks uniform. And they're like, what are you doing, dude? That's strange. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a tough one to explain. But that's about as baseline as it gets for sports superstitions. You can go back to pretty much everybody's done something like that. If you're wearing an article of clothing, you keep wearing it, you don't wash it and while you have a good streak going. And you get the hell rid of it is if you're slumping. Serena Williams, kind of notorious for that. She wouldn't wash her socks during an entire tournament. That's right. She'd wear the same socks for a full tournament. Seems like it'd be a detriment. But you yeah. know what? It's all mental. It's all it, that mental game. It really is. And, the, and she's one of the most focused athletes out there, for sure. For sure. Uh, and, and going back to what we do, watching sports, that's actually one that I do all the time, is I'll wear, if the Suns are on a major streak or the Cardinals, especially in football, because... It's only like one game a week. It's 16 weeks, but it's only 16 times I have to wear it. That jersey's not getting washed through the season. Not at all. And that's a no-brainer for me. Well, who washes a jersey anyways? Yeah, it's a good It's it's a good point. A shirt even, too. Like, <laughs> I've got my lovely Bruce Arian shirt. I'm going to wear that until they lose or until something goes awry. Yeah, as a fan, you can, you can affect the game. Every fan knows this. You might get up. I think there was a Bud Light commercial or something a little while ago. Had... You know, people standing in a line, clapping their knees in unison for the game. That's a little much. I think that would be staged. But if you're watching the game from your recliner and you move to the couch and your team scores two touchdowns, you're watching the rest of that game from the couch. It does not matter what else is going on. Oh, yeah. It's the position, too. Like, I, I've sometimes I'll be laying down and I will not move, even though, like, I have to. Like, if I got to go to the bathroom, it doesn't matter, man. I'm sitting in that position, not adjusting myself at all. Until that happens, I, you're, you're mentioning commercials. There, one of them I can't remember who it was for, but they had the their guys are road tripping to the to the game, and a guy was trying to like, hey, can I drive this time? Like, no, dude, you got to sit in the exact same spot you sat going to the game. You That's have right. to do it. That's right. I'll share one of my own personal ones that is my strongest as a fan sports superstition. It's about food, as it should be. You have to eat the food that's associated with the region of the team you're rooting for during oh, that game. That's a good one. And it's very important to me. If it's a big game, especially for me, as mostly a fan of New York teams, pizza power is something I 100% believe in. If I get myself a pizza as close to a New York pizza as I can, not living there currently, it's going to help. The strongest example of this, I've shared this plenty of times. Uh, if I'm going over to somebody else's house to watch the game, we're hanging out or having a party, I need to do it. I need to go with the food. And I have a very strong example from a couple years back. The Jets are in the playoffs. They're playing the Cincinnati Bengals in the first round. Got the pizza, watch the game, Jets whoop on the Bengals, make it to the next round of the playoffs where they face the Steelers. In this game, I'm going to a buddy's house. Told him about it. He said he's ordering Angelo's Pizza from Antioch. Closest thing we knew from the area. All right. We'll get you it there. New York owned. They've got some New York sports fans in there as well. So it's it fed my right what I needed to get right there. And he said he's going to order it. We'll have it. And I get to his house and there's no pizza. So we're watching what? the game. He's like, oh, yeah, I ordered it so to get here at halftime. No, dude. And I'm not going to lie. I'm angry right now. I would I'm be. I'm thinking about if I need to run out right now and get it. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know what's going on. This game starts out terribly for the Jets. If you guys remember this game from about three or four years ago now in the playoffs, Pittsburgh jumped out to like a 30 to nothing lead by halftime. Just as he said, pizza got there at halftime. He's feeling pretty bad by now. I'm laying it on thick. You should have. And then in the second half, the Jets scored every point in the second half. 
Did they win? They did not. Oh, but they did but, not but get you, enough you to cover. You gave them some umph to get back in it for sure. But the first half of that game with no pizza, one hundred percent Steelers points. Second half with pizza, one hundred percent Jets points. You can't argue with that. That's, pizza power does not mess around. That sounds like science to me. Pizza Big Mets power, game, man. getting a pizza every time. And look, I'll root for other teams too. Going hard for the Preds this playoffs. I ate a lot of barbecue, a lot of hot chicken. Yeah, had to get it for a win. I like that tradition. I really do. I think I'm actually going to jump on board of that, and hopefully it makes a difference. Uh, although, i got to say, Nashville, tough to find some good Mexican food to root for my Arizona teams. You've been in Owensville Pike, right? Uh, I have. Yeah, it it exists there, but it's not everywhere. Like, where 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 you go, I mean, it's not That's in proximity to everything. Man, you got to go find the best one, the closest to that Arizona that you remember, and you get it for the big uh, game. We we spent too much time in Williamson County uh, going to see friends and stuff. I don't know. I don't think there's anything, anything great down there. I'd if love it's to a big otherwise. game, you make the move. Well, there is Oscars. Never mind. There's Oscars down there. You tell everybody you're going to that game with, you're like, look, I might be late, but I'm driving to Nolensville Pike. I'm getting the food, and then I'm coming back to watch the game. I like it. I like it. I'm going to I'm gonna adopt that. You have my commitment right now that I'm going to do that. I'm going to do everything that I can to do it because Lord knows my teams, barring the Titans, who are doing pretty well, and barring the Predators, need as much help as they can get. Rooting for the Grizz. You know if they're making it to the playoffs, they got to play the Spurs again this year. I'm going to go get some barbecue. Haven't done that before for the Grizz because, you know, not original team I'm a fan of. But I want them to win. I want them to beat the Warriors or the Spurs or whoever they end up playing if they keep rolling like they have at the beginning of the season. They might just need that to put them over the top, get some ribs. I, I think I'm going to take it to the next level, too, and even go try to find a regional brew from, from that team as well and make sure I'm, I'm imbibing that. There you go. As a beer guy, that's that might be what works for you. I think so. So... Those are relatively tame, though, Drew. We've got to touch on some of these weird ones, and I'm going to start here with Mr. Mr. Goalie, Glenn Hall. Now, this, this one's strange. I'm having a hard time justifying this, but he would actually throw up before every game. Pretty gross, but all right, all right. But but you put that out there, and I kind of get it, right? Like before every game, before I do anything, before I even get on the radio with you, I'm getting really nervous. I feel like I'm on the brink of that a lot of times, and we know there's some athletes out there that actually it happens all the time. They can't control it. Donovan McNabb. There we go. Uh, always uh, Campbell's chunky soup every time, <laughs> and it's pretty gross. That's combining superstition. <laughs> um, no, it just comes out that way. That's the. It wasn't anyway. Um, uh, sorry about that, everybody. I'm very sorry. Uh, but he would actually, Glenn Hall, Mr. Goalie, would actually force himself to throw up, and he even said at one point that he just didn't feel like he was giving everything he had unless he made himself vomit. That I'm firmly saying right now is on the extreme side. That's dedication. Talk about giving 100. percent yeah. That's 100. percent You're giving like bodily fluids. You're literally giving your body. <laughs> To the game, and that's it does not sound fun. I will not buy into that one. That's pretty impressive. We might combine superstitions again if you ever get me to actually go in on an EPL team like you've been trying. Yeah, you need to pick one. And I start having to eat British food really early on Saturday mornings. Ugh, oh, man. Oh, dude. I'm not so sure about this. Until it's, you've it, had a fish This is the spooky Halloween yet. episode, all right. <laughs> I know. You'll do it. You'll do it. It'll, uh, It'll be it'll be really good once you do it, and uh, and then you'll have your scarf to just kind of clean up the vomit. It'll be great. Let's stay with those gnarly ones for a second. You all remember the story of Moises Alou for the games? Had to go ahead and piss on his hands. Ah, uh, yes. The urban legend behind that is that he's not alone. That's very common practice among Latin players. They don't want to wear batting gloves, but you got to get those calluses and that uric acid will help callous your hands up, make them tough. I think some sports science debunked that, but you know what? I don't care about sports science. This is about superstition. If you think that makes your hands tougher, I think it makes it tougher. You think that's rooted in some terrible youth coach philosophies? Oh, I hope to, not. To aid our next, <laughs> our next show. Don't make this really spooky sports <laughs> superstitions. Uh, that is, that's a weird one, man. Like it, it's, it's really interesting if the science is behind it. If not, like... I feel like I would Google that one. Before the science I did is it. not behind it. I would ensure that it was before Go I did that. Go ahead and say this. 
But it's not about science. It's about superstition. Fair point. And I think if you're pissing on your hands before a game to make your swing better, that's tougher than not doing it. So if you want to get that in your head, make you feel tough, go for it. Not recommending it. No, not endorsed by Drew. There are also plenty of batting gloves out there. Lots of companies will sell you batting gloves. And you don't have to urinate on them at all. (laughs) It's pretty different out there. What else you got? What what are one of your favorites? Well, we got to go with Turk Wendell as one of the creepiest for sure. And you, we you, did mention those. You real mentioned quick, that one, yeah. If you talk sport superstitions, you're bringing up Turk Wendell, the guy I met actually in New York when he was playing for the Mets. You did really? That's awesome. Taught me how to throw a circle changeup, his style, which he called the OK change. I like that. That's much less creepy than just thinking about him through his traditions. But he was still wearing his claws and teeth necklaces, even to go ahead and uh, teach some kids some baseball. Yeah, that is pretty creepy to me. It's hard to think that guy's like uh, really got, um, I don't know, like I would, I'm not a very approachable dude when you got claws and teeth all around your neck. Yeah, he was a nice guy. I like to think he's doing what he loves right now, probably 100% off the grid somewhere. Probably, I imagine so, in some remote hermit-like cabin or something. Uh, yeah, well, I, I know Deuce Latouille for the Cardinals used to eat a pretzel. So there's that one. How do you like that one? Man, that's that's Pretty the creepiest good. one I've heard so far. <laughs> Making this real spooky. All right, let's go right into big one. Probably my favorite of all time. Throwing the octopus on the ice. Oh, it's variations. Yeah, it's a great one. Nashville throwing the catfish on the ice. And then we had the the Florida Panthers one that came out of nowhere for a little while, which was throwing the plastic rats on the ice. Which I like. Now, let let me at least say, like, it's a little bit easier to get a hold of plastic rats, first off. A little less gruesome. So I support the plastic version of all these things. It's pretty gross to see the catfish and the octopus uh, on the ice. But the tradition itself is pretty cool, the lore of it, especially... With uh, with the Red Wings, you know, it's supposed to symbolize... Spooky Halloween splatter? Uh, exactly. Uh, or the eight wins needed to secure the Stanley Cup. Uh, so I, I like the symbolism behind it, whether somebody actually thought about that or was just like, hey, I got an octopus. Now that sounds probably... like marketing for an octopus sales company. I know. Which I'm sure there are plenty of in Detroit. Yeah, I think there was a whole, like, got octopus uh, <laughs> uh, campaign that went around there. And, uh, yeah, but as... You know, as you noted, so it, that started in Detroit and made its way up to Nashville under its own variation. The catfish is kind of a permutation of the octopus. So these go together. We think we mentioned this during the Preds run on the air, but this is not on the air. This is our own show. We can do whatever the hell we want. And part of that was a lot of the early fans of the Preds here in Nashville were Detroit fans originally. Working at the GM plant, the auto industry big here. They moved down here for jobs. And when the Preds got a hockey team, they would go to watch some hockey as big Detroit fans who eventually kind of took on the local team, became Preds fans out of that. The Pred Wings were a thing early on in Nashville history. And if you're going to throw something on the ice, as is big-time Detroit tradition with the octopus or the octopi, you're going to make it a Nashville thing, the catfish is the logical choice. That's thinking totally logically to me. Yeah, it, unless you're just going to like throw a chicken, maybe. Like, yeah, it, that's the better That's the better choice. Yeah, I don't know if you want to have some Prince's seasoning on the ice. That could yeah. be a public public health hazard. Yeah, there's like a cast iron full of hot chicken out there. Uh, <laughs> not, not a great idea. Tough to, tough to get in. Easier to get like a... Even though it's kind of weird to think that these guys are wrapping a dead catfish in plastic and then jamming it in their coat just so they can throw it, like, that's pretty gruesome. But that's commitment. That's really great. The famous one in Pittsburgh this year during the Stanley Cup Finals, he ran it over with his truck a few times to flatten it out so he could wrap it to his body and sneak it in past igloo security. That's a lot of dedication. Yeah, yeah. And kind of gnarly. And kind of gnarly. Yeah, I think you got something a little better to do with your time. Get on Amazon, friends. There is a plastic catfish on there, I guarantee it. I've never checked it. But just go stock up. Get the dash button. Every time there's a game, press a new one. Have it show up. You'll have, you'll be you'll be endless catfish. No, it's the dedication. That's the big part of it. It's gotta hit that ice with that nice wet splat. Yeah. For the TV cameras, and to really psych out those Penguins fans. Yeah. I think it worked. Yeah. Well, kinda. Not that game. <laughs> Not that game. But listen, we had them on. We had them on their heels. We certainly did. Gave them a run. And the Panthers rat. That one doesn't come from the same philosophies. 
that one's kind of its own origin story, which is starting out with some nice uh, animal murder. As all great a, a hockey too. tradition. Yeah. Where there was a rat in the Florida Panthers clubhouse before opening night, if I remember right. And one of their players, Scott Mellenby, just took a nice slap shot with a stick, drilled that rat into a wall with a slap shot. I guess it was a one-timer if it was coming at him. Yeah, I imagine so. We're talking technicalities here. Yeah. Killed the rat and then went out, played the game, and scored two goals. So they counted the rat and gave him a rat trick for the game. There you and go. Weird play too. <laughs> I like it. Superstition. Uh, no, I think that's I think that's well played. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of dead animals in these uh, in these uh, superstitions, which is interesting. It makes me think of like the you know the warriors and the battle battle driven you know because that's kind of what sports are like. These guys like really facing off with with physical prowess and that's their. Uh, that's their medal of honor, you know. It's a, that's a that's a weird thing to draw a conclusion to, but it made me think of that. Well, people liked it enough that they started throwing plastic rats on the ice for the Panthers' run, and the Panthers ran to the playoffs. It turned out being a great surprise year for them. The NHL, I believe, finally intervened and said, "You got to stop throwing these rats on the ice, or we're going to hit you with delay of game penalties." Boo! No fun. No, come on. I mean, listen. And I... let's disclaimer real quick too: Do not go trying to start your own. Weird sports superstition by killing some animals. Yeah. Not cool. No, no, no. Find the plastic ones and throw it out there. It's that easy. And there's plenty of catfish already available in the fish stores. Yeah. Support the local economy. <laughs> uh, those are some strange ones, man. I, I, I got to say, that's definitely a, a slew of some strange, strange traditions where it crosses over from, you know, we started talking about the traditions and the routine. And then you get into some stuff where it's just... It's just strange. You don't know if it's science behind it or what, but people are buying in. That makes it fun. That's why we're doing an episode on spooky sports superstitions. That was pretty stupid. Right here on Walk It Off. Special episode for Halloween. So so the other side to the, the traditions and the spookiness is the curses that come along with sports. And the, it, they happen left and right. Now, some of them may be figments of our imagination, but truthfully, there's a lot of bad luck going around in the sports world, and you got to blame it on something. That's a good point. When you're slumping, it's got to be for some reason. Of course. Can't just be random chance, because where's the fun in that? And what can you do about that? You can't just say, eh, man, I can't do anything about random chance, bad luck. That is not the right mindset. you got to do something. Or you got to figure out just what it is that's cursing you. And, and end it. It worked for the Red Sox. All it took was a, a win in the World Series, and it broke the curse. Like, you could argue that that was a curse broken. They went straight through after they bro- broke it, and then they went with their uh, nice little saying, reverse the curse. Is instead of a curse, it's now a streak. They won the World Series again three years later. I like it. Cubs don't look far off from that, to be honest. Like, And, and you've got to set your expectations. Also, it doesn't have to be full-on success of the previous year. Like a setback isn't necessarily a curse. Prolonged success, I think, counts as ending that curse. And the Cubs are in the early stages of maybe that happening. Very true. The Cubs' curses were a little more fun than the Red Sox, I think. Curse of the Bambino, good story. They sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees because they had a cheapskate owner. Went on to become one of the greatest players in baseball history. And Yankees icon, obviously. The Yankees have won 27 world championships. Sucks to be the Red Sox. But now that's reversed. It's broken. The Cubs curses were more interesting. The original Billy Goat curse? That's yeah. a great story. It really is. Yeah, I wanted to bring his Billy Goat to the game. The Cubs told him no. Hexed. Hexed, hexed, hexed. That's why you never, ever, ever turn away a Billy Goat. Like, everybody knows this. It'll ruin you forever. Oh, man. And then they had the Black Cat curse. Well, they made it to the playoffs. Black Cat ran across. Series shifted like that. Yep. And then... Probably, maybe the saddest one of them all is the Steve Bartman curse. Yeah, that's. I think it's all one curse. Just that's. These are the forms that the Billy Goat took. No, that's that's well said. I think that's it. Is it's all just bad luck, or badness coming through the curse through a lot of different ways. Black Cat Bartman both start with B's. Same letter that Billy Goat starts with. Coincidence? No nope. way. And Bartman is not that far off from Batman. See what I'm saying? Which is not that far off from Billy Goatman. Which is not that far off from 
I got nothing now, but it's all connected for sure. But they broke it. It's over. The GOAT finally released his hold on that franchise. They won a World Series. And it was made so much more exciting and so much cooler for that curse. Without a doubt. And now, uh, frankly, we're kind of struggling for curses of that magnitude. I think what may be sad is we may have seen that go by the wayside. Honestly, the only curse that I can think of in sports, and I'm open, you know, sp- hashtag spooky sports to hearing some some new ideas. The only one that has some teeth behind it now that seems to continue is the Madden curse. Ooh, the classic. We had to bring that up before we got through this show. That's one of my all-time favorites. You talk to old-timers, they go back to the Sports Illustrated cover curse. Eh, Sports Illustrated came out so often, so frequently, for so many years. It's real hard to put a finger on that one. I'm going to say not a big believer in the Sports Illustrated cover curse. Yeah, plus it would have to extend to the swimsuit. Uh, editions, and I don't know of any curse fulfillment. Look, I've done that. a lot of research in that one, and <laughs> we, right now we've got the opposite side of that. The Sports Illustrated cover predicting the 2017 World Series champions Astros they look pretty good right now in tw- as we sit here in 2017. Curse reversed. How incredible would that be if they actually predicted that? Like I, that That's really insane, and in the back of my mind throughout this entire series. It's pretty good, and again, I like to believe in this stuff. I think it's more fun that way than saying, yeah, if you throw enough darts, you're going to hit something. But it's more fun to believe that there's some higher power superstition out there, some thing called luck that's a tangible form and can take shape and help these events go on and make them more fun for us as sports fans because that's what it's all about. Yeah, Sports are fun. Well, and there's no arguing with the fact that luck is a big part of sports, whether that's in, informed by a curse or something good driving it, whatever it is, sports is so much luck. It really is because there's so many things going against each other, so many variables at one time that you can't mathematically say, well, there's more variables going in the positive than for the negative. And frankly, you've got team teams rooting for both sides or fans so there is no real good and bad in sports, except for when it comes to the Spurs. They're always bad. But, <laughs> but outside of that, th- that, doesn't, that doesn't happen. So it's, it's got to come down to luck. You can try to take the fun out of it. You can come up with as many BABIP stats as you want to try to explain it, but it doesn't. You can say that this guy has a low BABIP. His average should be better. He's been a victim of bad luck, but it doesn't tell you why. That's right. Maybe it's because he's got hasn't broke out his gold panties yet. I know he really should, and that's one of the beauties of sports, in my personal opinion, is we'll never ever know what leads to these things. And people are going to try a million different things, whether it's a workout routine, whether it's uh, you know a different bat, whether it's a new shoes, whatever it is, or whether it's teeth and claws dangling or a gold thong. Uh, I hope they don't try throwing up. <laughs> I don't recommend that one, but. They, they, they're trying a, m- a bunch of different things, and that changes your mentality. It affects what other people do, too. Like, wh- one of my favorites out there is the players that started wearing the intimidating face masks on the defensive side. Oh, the dark eye shields. <clears throat> exactly. That is cool because that affects the mentality of the other team. It's not exactly a, uh, a tradition or, a, uh, or a, a superstition as much as it is something that mentally affects the other team, which is pretty cool rather than getting them pumped up. And the NFL, being the no-fun league that it is, requires prescriptions for dark eye shields, for the record. I think... Wink, pres- wink. It yeah. requires prescriptions. Yeah, those are easy to come, come by. <laughs> well, we were just talking about the curse. The luck changes. Yeah, you can try to take the fun out of that with stats and numbers and everything. But you'll never be able to explain everything that happens in sports. That's why it's fun. That's why we love it. And that's why we get cool stuff like superstitions and conspiracy theories and what happens for you. Let's talk about the big one, the Madden curse. I'm a full-on believer. It's just been too long now. It's been going on. It's a little weird. You can't argue with it, and it's been pretty drastic. There's some that there's there's a very small amount where they actually did well the next year. There's some the exception that proves the rule. The, the exception that proves the rule. I I agree with you because it's such a wide margin. Now the one that you and I may argue on are some where they actually retired close after that, if not directly after that, the Calvin Johnsons of the world. Barry Sanders. And and Barry Sanders. Now, Barry Sanders doesn't totally count because it was replaced by a guy whose name I'm blanking on who played for the Green Bay 
Packers. Dorsey Levens. Dorsey Levens. Hey, Thank you. I'm going to interrupt you right here. Bring it on. Start spooky sports fight in the studio. Let's go down this year by year. Let's do it. Let's totally take on the Madden curse. I, I like and it. And hopefully think, not bring it upon our own heads I this hope, episode. I hope not. Which I think, might go straight downhill from now on. I think everybody's going to believe along with us after they hear this. You remember the very first cover athlete on the Madden curse? Uh, of course I do. I have a computer screen in front of me. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was Garrison Hurst of the San Francisco 49ers in, on Madden 99. Garrison Hurst, big fan. Everybody who played Tecmo Bowl knows that. But then he was the first ever cover athlete for the upcoming edition, Madden. Made it to the playoffs, nothing doing, big, no curse, no curse. And then he has a huge broken ankle as soon as the playoffs start, or maybe it was the second round, I'm not totally sure. But in the playoffs, early on, Hurst broke his ankle, and he missed two seasons coming back from yeah. that injury. That that counts. It's almost hard to argue that it was bad for a while because it turned out to be a good season overall, but that's just terrible luck. That counts against Madden Curse. We're one for one. They made the playoffs, and he breaks his ankle and misses the next two seasons, pretty much ending his career and his star power. Yeah, Thanks, John Madden. Harrison Hurst, not exactly a household name anymore, again, unless you played some, your tech mobile. Yeah, absolutely. But you went next year to 2000. That's the year Barry Sanders was on the cover. Barry Sanders, come on, you've got to think. He's one of the greatest running backs of all time. He was so much fun to watch. Everybody loved Barry Sanders. He was electric. Nobody could do the moves he could with a football in his hand. Yep, uh, in a league of his own. In this one... I would argue, ends the curse right now. Year two, Barry Sanders, and he decided to retire. That doesn't count. That does not. That's part of the curse. It was so unexpected for Barry Sanders to retire. And even to this day, no one has really had an acceptable reason for it, besides Barry Sanders, of course. And who else does? So my my argument is that 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 doesn't count. But maybe what if something happened in his personal life off the field? To cause his retirement? Pure speculation. Because it came out of nowhere. Nope. Pure speculation. And if you're the Detroit Lions, you can talk about that being absolutely a curse on your franchise. Yep. But it's... Your greatest star retires, sent them into a huge tailspin. They were the losingest franchise in sports after that. Yeah. It's a a great point, but it's it's very individualistic. I don't think it counts because he left on his own volition. No way. That counts. That's a big time hit for the Madden curse. It took Barry Sanders out of the league right after he made the cover. True. We're just gonna have to throw down, man. I totally, I totally disagree with you. But, but here, here's what, here's what redeems your point that you're totally wrong about is that Dorsey Levens, as we alluded to, uh, I'll have the last word on this one. Thank you. Uh, it was was the replacement for Barry Sanders after they found out that he was going to retire, and Dorsey Levens fits the mold of the curse. Yeah, he was an up and coming running back. They threw together a slap dash cover for him after Sanders was cursed out of the league. And then, you know what? It didn't happen for Levens. Nope. His his career kind of fell apart after that. He certainly, I don't think he even had another starting job after that next year. Yeah, he had like one more year left. He had nagging injuries. The Packers, who were always a good team with Brett Favre at that time, didn't play well. They had a bad season. And then Darcy Levens absolutely fell off the map. Yep. Curse strikes yep. twice in one year. That counts as the second year. Twice in one year. <laughs> but then the next season, very personal to Titans fans, Eddie George made the cover of Madden 2001. Now, Eddie George, known for one thing, would be reliability. Without a doubt. One of the most consistent running backs in league history. So if anyone's going to break the curse, it was Eddie. And he kind of did. He had a great season. Yeah. And the Titans, this is 2001. What year is this? They went. They had a really good year in 2001. Yeah. I think I think he was doing all right. I would put Eddie George in the exception to the rule area. So we're 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 uh, two for three. But then in the playoffs, Eddie George bobbled a pass that got intercepted that pretty much sealed the Titans' playoff exit. Yeah, that doesn't count in my opinion. That's too extreme. He had a good season. One play doesn't matter. I mean, there's quarterbacks on this list who threw interceptions the next year. That doesn't count. To get their team eliminated from the play, I'm nah. going to give the curse. Maybe a half point for no, that one. No, I think I think we're at a Eddie stretch George there. Eddie George avoided the curse. Thank you, thank you. I think I think we're agreeing on that one. But the next year was 2002, and superstar, big money quarterback Dante Culpepper of the Minnesota Vikings is your cover athlete. 
What happened to Dante Culpepper? Horrible knee injury. Missed uh, the entire season. That is solidly cursed. And after that, nothing. Pretty much his entire career went down after that huge injury. That could be the worst one so far, except for maybe Garrison Hurst. That's really rough. We're in really bad territory. This curse is scary stuff. That one with Culpepper is kind of where the idea of the Madden curse formed, I think. That's the one that kind of got it in people's heads. So they went to the next year with, again, reliable running back, guy who's putting up big numbers year after year after year, Marshall Falk. Clearly one of the best in the league at the time. And did he avoid it? You know what? He did kind of avoid it, but it was his worst year in his worst year in years. Did he make it on after his 2000 yard season? I think he might have. That sounds right. And I think he had less than a thousand the year after he made yeah. it on. Well, that, Does that count? I don't think There's so. There's no because... horrible injury. There's no gruesome Halloween spooky episode no. story. I don't think that this. counts. It's the it's the ebb and the flow of sports. Uh, he's, he had an illustrious career and didn't have anything crazy like that happen. A couple he years avoided. later, he had a horrible knee injury yeah. that basically got him out of the league. Yeah, doesn't count. The curse maybe took a couple years there, working nah, slowly on Marshall. I, I think it's a stretch to go into the year <laughs> after, the, yeah. like two years. Out, like that's about the, the the furthest I think you can go with this. Yeah, if you're going to say that a football player getting injured, exactly, uh, that's probably going to happen to pretty much everybody. Yeah, and it's going to end a lot of their careers, too. most of their careers. All right, how about this one? Though? Next year, 2004, Mike Vick makes the cover. Superstar athlete. He, he was, was the most electrifying player in video games right then, too. Yeah. Playing Mike Vick in Madden was banned among friends of mine. You couldn't play as the Falcons if you're playing a head-to-head Madden game because it was just you know overpowered right there. Yeah, he was that good. He could do everything. He was too fast. You couldn't defend it. And that almost is what happened in real life, too. He absolutely was a, a real-life video game. Uh, so after that year, I, I don't know how his year turned out. That oh, no. Time. That's the year that he broke his leg. Oh, The year that, that he year? was on the Madden cover. Oh, wow. Missed almost the entire season. So we don't even need to go into his legal troubles to say that he was cursed. And then, yeah, of course, right after that, what he did during his time off from the league with a broken leg, that curse hit pretty hard. Yes, it did. He was majorly cursed, of course. He brought a lot of that on himself. So I think you could actually almost say that his legal troubles... We're in the sim- in similar category with Barry Sanders. Own, own volition, not a curse. That was his own stupid fault. The leg injury keeps the curse going. Maybe, the curse takes many forms. Uh, I think it's. Are think, you going to give it off? Are you going to give off-field things? No, no, I, no credit for it. No, because it's kind of knowing got, that the year after Mike Vick was on the cover was the year that Ray Lewis was on the cover. Uh, eh? Eh, no. I, I gotta I gotta draw a line. I gotta say that it's not it's bad stuff, but it's their own stupid fault. Uh, it has it has nothing to do with the curse looming down on them. All right. Well, Ray Lewis, we all know what happened to him off the field. Maybe, possibly, somebody else stabbed a man to death outside a nightclub. Well, he's got a statue now, so that's what happens. But what happened to Ray Lewis that season was again he had pretty much his worst statistical season in a long time. He didn't have a single interception. I don't think he'd ever done that before in his entire career. The Ravens didn't make the playoffs. And the next year, he had an Achilles injury. That's a pretty drastic... I almost think that counts because it's such a big gap between his normal performance and what happened. And I think, like I was saying earlier, you can bleed into the year after that as long as it's not like another really good season and then it gets bad to show that there was just a really steep decline all the way across the board and punctuated with with an injury. I think it counts. Scary stuff, man. You're after Ray Lewis, Donovan McNabb on the cover. Yeah. Yeah, that was the year he got hurt, had his groin injury, which basically sent him down the list off of starting quarterbacks, off of Superstar. The year he made the cover, that's the last year you heard Donovan McNabb and Superstar in the same vein. Yeah, it was was a slow decline after that. he, He definitely got him into the playoffs. I remember playing against him in 2008 uh, in the wild card, but... They, he, that was the start of his decline. And that sharp decline and the fact that it was tied to an injury, I think qualifies it for being part of the curse. This next one in 07, one of my personal lowlights as far as the Madden curse goes. Drafted Sean Alexander, number one overall. Finally got a first pick in a fantasy football. 
And you said, yeah, you draft John Alexander. Man, he's coming off a monster year. I think he was the MVP, actually, as a running back. Yeah, he was that year before. Just a huge year. Thought we were headed straight towards the gravy train in fantasy. And then breaks his foot early in the season. Out for the year. Had injuries the whole rest of his career. He was never Sean Alexander again. Yeah, that's a major, major example of the curse. So what are we right now? We're almost 100%. We are. So we have arguably Barry Sanders. And then we have, um, uh, who else did we have? We had... Uh, You're going to argue about Ray Lewis or Mike Vick? Yeah, that's true. I'm going to, I'm gonna. well, Mike Vick definitely counts. Ray Lewis, we said counts because of his steady decline. So both of those are definitely in there. Uh, so, so far we're batting a thousand. Who are the two that, that I felt like ignored it? It was... You don't believe in Barry Sanders. I don't no. know why. No, I, I would say Barry Sanders avoided it, but that counts because Dorsey Levins was a part of it. And Eddie George. Eddie George avoided it. So is that one for eight now? That's what I got on my scorecard. Wow. Just one, Eddie George. Just one, Eddie George. The, the only one. <laughs> the only one. One for eight. That's pretty incredible. Right now we could probably bang our gavel, rest our case. This is a, a major curse, but there's still stories there's still to be told. There's still 10 more years. We're still 10 years away from the current day. And this thing's still going strong. It's in the cultural lexicon, the Madden curse. This is fun, man. I'm enjoying it. I don't really like our when we're, our little banter goes into you know a scripted thing, like going year by year. But this is just too much. It's too weird to me that it's almost 100%. It, it really is. It's, it's pretty incredible how many of these have happened. And like I said, even... Well, no, Eddie George was tough to argue, but... Yeah, it's th- this is this Even is a that, definitive. There curve. was a moment, but two, we're up to two thousand eight now on our little retroactive run through the Madden curse, and I know this is really painful to everybody here listening in Nashville. This is the year that Vince Young made the cover of it, brightest light for the Titans. The R- next McNabb, rookie of the year, McNair, McNair, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. McNabb, you know, yeah, or thing. McNabb, yeah, it'll work. But definitely the heir apparent to Steve McNair for sure. As we're, so excited about Vince Young. How long did you see Vince Young jerseys in the city? Everywhere. You still see him at the games. And, and that's I give a lot of credit to those audacious enough to wear that out. And, of course, the year that he was on the Madden cover, that's the year that it went downhill. And Vince Young went out and was asked about the Madden curse because there's a little story that I found while we were doing our Madden curse research that I didn't know. LaDainian Tomlinson was supposed to be the cover athlete that year. And Chargers fans were so crazed about the Madden curse that they lobbied Tomlinson not to accept, and he eventually did back out, saying, you know, contract stuff. Oh, wow. That's funny. And I've I've actually thought, looking at this list, like, how is LT not one of these athletes? That's why. The fans were so afraid of the Madden curse that they were lobbying Tomlinson, and he did back out of the cover. And that's how Vince Young got it. So, yeah, from Titans fans, thanks a lot. Well, here does it, here's a question that I think I know the answer to. Does it count if they were a runner-up? Who's the runner-up? If, if, if he was the runner-up to being the actual choice. Oh, because he's the one who was on the cover. I agree. So that's what counts. I agree. It was, it was worth, worth asking. Now, here... Now, that it, makes it even stronger because Tomlinson wasn't on the cover and wasn't cursed that yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. You're right. That really... Uh, that really proves it. But Young, oh man, he started getting injured there, and that was his last year as a starter. Going from such a high to such a low so fast, as we all here in Nashville again remember really clearly, that was a really weird swing from the highs to the lows of the Vince Young era. It really was. It was It was really tough. I mean, I think it really threatened the, the legitimacy of this franchise for a while, too, because it, it, we're really... I don't want to say lucky, but it was really nice to have a winning season in there with Kerry Collins driving to 13 wins because it was a big slump, and that was such a major dive from optimism and really just a terrible story because he wasn't very likable here. It was it was just a lot of bad news around it that could really doom a franchise and, and, and frankly, kind of cursed us residually with, with Jake Locker and going forward of just having high-prospect quarterbacks that couldn't get on the field enough don't happen to Mariota. don't happen to Mariota. don't happen wood, to Mariota. knock on wood yep Madden curse is no joke man it, it, that's so weird to me just thinking of how you explain this 
if you don't believe in the Madden curse. Let's go on. 2009, EA decided to cheat. They cheated. They were like, we're taking a retired athlete. I quote, unquote. And we're going to make him a tribute to his career will be the cover. You can't curse somebody who's not in the league anymore. So Green Bay Packers superstar quarterback Brett Favre retroactively gets the cover. What happens? He decides to not retire. That's right. He's back. Setting off a huge kerfluffle that I would say really, really hurt the legacy of Brett Favre in the mind of a lot of people. Without a doubt. And I mean, he wasn't terrible that next year either with the Jets, but but it was not enough to say that he was back on there. And the the big dip in his likability, and just like you said, the kerfuffle, the bungling of it, uh, was definitely pretty bad. I I, I think it counts. He had a pretty decent year, but I'm going to say that definitely 100% counts. Because now if you think of Brett Favre, one of the first things your mind goes to is the retirement, unretirement, what teams he going to play for, the messy breakup with the Packers. Yep. And that's a huge tarnishment on his legacy. Of course, there was some off-field stuff there, too. There was, but we won't count that because it's I'm his own it. stupid fault. But, it. but the retirement was his fault, but that wasn't like necessarily a bad decision that he was making. It was how it was perceived. And, and it just turned the whole thing into a bad situation. And that I think that's part of the curse. All right. They're trying to cheat us again in 2010 after that. They are. They said, we're going to put two on the cover this year. Let me split our odds up a little bit. I liked that cover. I was a big fan of that one when it came out. It was right after the Super Bowl that I'm sure you remember quite well. I do. One of the best Super Bowls in history, frankly. It was it was really great. Big win for the, for the Steelers on the last play. Cardinals versus Steelers. Oh, man. Plaxico in the end zone. Uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, that was a game. I, they I decided to put the head-to-head matchup right there. Larry Fitzgerald and Troy Polamalu. Really great, especially with the flowing locks. Like, Let's just acknowledge the flowing locks behind each one of them. But yeah, Larry Fitz showed up with one of his best seasons ever. So here we have an example, uh, one of the best seasons of his career, an example of somebody thwarting the curse. But yet again, just like the arguable... Uh, uh, Bar- Barry Sanders. No there's there's a secondary athlete on here, and Troy Polamalu definitely he sprained his ankle and wound up having to miss a ton of time. He had a big knee injury that season, I think. Oh yeah, and then yeah, that was again the Steelers went way downhill. Polamalu got hurt, and Polamalu was never Polamalu anymore after nope. that. It was the absolute downside of his career right after the Madden cover. And I'm going to go ahead and posit this one a little bit too. The Madden curse is an American thing. It's American football, American Madden. How do Americans read? Left to right. Oh, Drew. Which athlete was on the left? So the first one you see on the Madden cover. It's a great point. It's Paul Amalu. It's a great point. That's clearly it. Madden curse gods got to him, and then they stopped because they cursed him enough. So Fitz, that's how Fitz avoided it. Yep. It's the only way. Thank you, reading traditions in America. <laughs> Putting our own spin on this one. Yeah, I like that. You got conspiracy theories within conspiracy theories here. What are you going to do about 2011? Drew Brees made the cover after the Saints' amazing Super Bowl run. This one's tough to argue with. He had one of his worst statistical seasons. A kind of ongoing trend right here when we're talking about it. Yeah. Decent. I don't know. Um, I think he avoided it. I th- I think so too. The only thing that kind of, especially, so here's the thing that they, they had that huge uh, uh, run from Marshawn Lynch uh, that kind of brought him down. It was really crazy. Like a lot of, it was mostly Marshawn Lynch, but you could argue there's some bad luck there, but they made it into the playoffs with a losing record. And that almost counts as good luck, frankly. So I can't think that... That's the Seahawks you're talking about who made them... The oh, they did. That's right. Sorry, I read it wrong. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. So, yeah, that's pretty bad luck. But I don't think it counts. No, nah, no. Nah. Drew Brees avoided it. He had a down year, so maybe the curse still lives on. It was a little weaker. Yeah. Hard, hard to argue for that one. Also going to throw this out there, Madden 11, still just about the best Madden game. It's been downhill since then. Yeah. So, so the curse really hit, I think one of the biggest the, the year after that. Yeah, but let's let's go back to that for one second again. I just thought of this as I said it. The curse didn't really hit Drew Brees that year. We think it's a little... He managed to mostly avoid it, but the curse might have, by not hitting the player on the cover, took it out on the Madden franchise itself. Maybe. 
That's, that's still been going downhill since point. Madden 11. Well, and like you said, it the the franchise went downhill, and they had one of the worst the next the next year. Oh, that's just an embarrassment, Madden so 12. It got it got it got really bad, and I think you have two a streak of two years where there were players who weren't cursed. It really hit hard in 2012. In 2012, they did the fan voting for the first time. And the fans, as fans tend to do, trolled Madden pretty hard. <laughs> and Peyton Hillis was your cover athlete, your superstar cover athlete, Peyton Hillis, who had half of a good season the year before with the Cleveland Browns when he was barely a running back. He was a fullback for the beginning of his career. Then he made the Madden cover after his one big season and dropped off the face of the earth, predictably. Yeah. Over a lot of really good athletes. I mean, I, Aaron Rodgers, MVP, championship, Super Bowl MVP and championship. Michael Vick still at the height of a lot of, of what he was doing. How on earth was was were, were they not chosen? It was uh, the fan vote. It was. Getting weird. Super weird. That one was just, that one was terrible. Well, he just got to move on from that one quickly because it, it was terrible. He, ne- he never did a thing for the rest of his career. Didn't First. do anything before then. Didn't do anything afterwards. Yeah, that was his one chance, his one shining moment. But then he forgot about the Madden curse. Yeah, he should have thought about that. Don't sleep on it. He accumulated just 587 yards rushing uh, in the 10 games after that. 2013, what yep. do we got? 2013, that one is a pretty good one. So big step up here. We've got Calvin Johnson on the cover. Megatron. Halloween costume idea. There you go. It's yeah, free. I like that one. I like that. So he... Uh, was he just coming off his 2,000-yard season? I can't see if that actually was the case. Or he went on for the 1964. Uh, yeah. 1964? What are you talking about, man? He went on to record 1,964 receiving yards. Oh, all right, all right. I go. thought the Madden curse struck you, and we went back in time for <laughs> yeah, a second. I know. This is... We've been talking about it for way longer than we planned originally. This technology is incredible for podcasting. But he pretty much got away from it. But I'm going to say it counts a little bit again. Because another surprise retirement. Again on the Detroit Lions. Maybe that ghost of, of Barry Sanders' curse was still hanging around for the next great Detroit Lion athlete. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't count because he went on to have one of the best seasons ever and then retired, and that doesn't count either. So that's a, that's an avoidance. Uh, next year, Adrian Peterson on the cover. This is not the year he, he was suspended for most of it for child beating. This was the year that he was injured for pretty much the entire year and fairly ineffective. That's, yeah. that's as mundane as the Madden curse gets. It does, but it counts because it really hampered his his whole season. And, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Like you said, it could have been a suspension uh, or it could have been his torn ACL that he reco- had recovered from. That would have been the most devastating example. But it was just a bad season for him with lots of injuries. That counts as a curse. It didn't end his career. Uh. So it wasn't as brutal as some of the previous Madden curses. You know, he's back to old form with the Arizona Cardinals. So for one game, yeah, for one game. <laughs> but that's pretty much a curse. It was real easy, real easy. He got hurt pretty much the whole season, and then the next year, 2015, Richard Sherman gets the cover. Yep, no strike, no no curse there either. To be honest, I mean he had a great he had a great season, and they returned to the Super Bowl, and. What happened in the Super Bowl? They lost. Should have handed it off. but Lost a game they should have won on a weird, controversial decision that no one could explain. What might the explanation be? That Pete Carroll made a terrible decision? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not so spooky. That's really it. Yeah, that one does not count. Richard Sherman, even though I I would have loved to see the Seahawks take a dip that season, it did not happen. Year after that, so Dell Beckham in 2016. Curse didn't hit him at all. No. He had a great season, but I, I think this one may count because it bled into the early parts of the next season, and he had a devastating injury where he misses where he's going to miss the rest of the season. It was just sleeping. That's what that's what it is right here. Yeah. For two straight years when the curse doesn't really hit, and now everybody gets to talk about how the Madden curse is over or it wasn't. Re- I didn't believe it in the first place. There's nothing there. That's that's just fun. This is a curse that has a sense of humor. It lets you think, lets you sleep on it. Exactly. Well, the curse is over. Nothing happening. Makes you Odell talk. Beckham yeah. got off scot-free. Yeah. Yep. Wait till next season. Hey, it's enough fodder to talk 35 minutes on a podcast about it, man. Like, th- there's a lot going on here. So much. We went to the next season. They picked Gronk. The Gronk. How are you going to curse him? Oh, the Madden curse is back. Yep. He missed most of that season with a variety of injuries. And if you remember the Super Bowl last year, which you better. It was just last year. Crazy 
Patriots comeback in the Super Bowl. Guess who was not a part of that at all? Really crazy. I know, and it's it's funny because now we're that really establishes how this is definitely an individual curse more so than it is a team curse. Gronk's watching from the sidelines. Sad Gronk. Yeah. Mad and cursed Gronk. Yep. He's done cursed, man. And we're up to this year. We made it. The cover of Madden this year, Tom Brady, the GOAT edition. Yeah. They're just asking for it. Oh, seriously. Yeah. They're asking for something to happen to Brady this but I'll, year. I'll tell you, if anybody's going to avoid you know, it. I'm not yeah. too sad about that. Hey, if anybody's going to avoid it, though, it's the golden boy. We'll see. Pretty boy. we got a lot of football left. Yeah. And you know that's hovering over the heads of New England. They went to Patriots two years in a row. Even the Madden curse hates the Patriots. Yeah. That's, ri- that's a risky move. But you know what? They're probably saying, you know what? We've got... We've got Tom Brady, man. We've got we've got Tom um, Amazing. What do they call him? Is that what they call him? Tom Amazing? That's, I don't remember. Whatever. Tom Tom The Fantastic. GOAT edition. Come yeah. on. Come on. It's crazy. Get out of here. I know. Maybe he'll be have the curse of the GOAT also. Really asking for it there for Brady. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Maybe yep. it'll let him off now that we all think it's going to happen. It's so out there, so obvious. Maybe they'll let him off and then next season this happens. Yeah, that would still count. Boom, and 23 paternity suits. Yeah. <laughs> you never know, man. I hope at least, though, he just takes a takes a dive this season. <laughs> and no Super Bowl for the Patriots. That would be nice. That's a win already. Even if they just lose in the Super Bowl, that's a win. We'll see. Madden curse. Want to wrap it up? We've I been think talking so. for a while here. I think so. I think we So ma- many I think superstitions we, I think and curses the gamut. and creepy Halloween sports stories. It, it was pretty spooky. Hashtag spook, spooky sports. I think we ran the gamut, and we may have brought some curses on ourselves, frankly. What I'm open is that we avoided this, and and none of this actually comes and touches us in our amazing radio show. It's out in the open. Man, I love superstitions. It's just a lot of fun. Going no, back fun. and talking about that. Really entertaining. Make sure you eat the right food before you watch a game. You sit in the right spot. You wear the right shirt. You wash it only as necessary. You know, if you're watching the game on TV and they're not doing good, maybe try flipping to the radio feed. Yep. Rest assured, though, nobody's judging you. You do what you got to do to get your team a W. Exactly. Do what it takes and have a good Halloween. From all of us here at Walk It Off, have some fun. Enjoy your Halloween. Do something weird. That's right. Have fun. Be safe. Adios, friends. And be kind to animals. Yes. Very important.